Greetings from Bethel Church in Edgemont, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us today. I am Pastor Brad, and on behalf of Pastor Nancy, Bethel Church, and myself, we're glad that you are here. We hope that the message today is an inspiration for you. We hope that God's Word speaks to you. We hope that the Holy Spirit moves within you and that you are changed. Get ready. This is going to be good. Come on. So some of you are looking at that uh, title up there and are thinking, okay, here we go. White elephant, right? We're in the holiday season. Thanksgiving is over and Christmas as soon is on its way. People are making lists. Um, women, you've probably started shopping a little bit. Gentlemen, don't worry. We've got a couple weeks left until we really have to start. Pastor Nancy is putting together her list, and I'm trying to figure out what in the world should I get her, so I'm finding the easy ones and leaving the more difficult ones to the boys to figure those things out. And So as we start to talk about Christmas, you know, gifts are really a, a part of Christmas, aren't they? I mean, sometimes maybe they're too much a part of Christmas, but it all started with, with the nativity, really, didn't it? I mean, think of this. Think of a small church play. And during that play, three six-year-old boys acting out the roles of the wise men as they present their gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense at the nativity scene, each boy stepping forward and stating what they've offered to God, to Christ. So the first one holds out his arms and he says, gold. And he smiles to his mom in the back and waves. And the second boy, he kneels down and he says, Myrrh. And the third boy who is, who is quite nervous and quite scared and maybe didn't prepare as much as he should, maybe can't remember his lines, he reaches down and says, Frankie sense this. <laughs> See, like that little boy, sometimes I think we forget what the gift actually is during this season. And that's why, you know, we forget that the Christmas is really all about God, not us and the things that we can acquire, not about the gifts that we can buy for other people, the people on our list, and maybe how we can make up for the lack of thought we did last Christmas. So we entitled this series, The White Elephant. And now, maybe all of you have different ideas about what a white elephant gift really is. Basically, a white elephant gift is gifts that you're giving that you don't necessarily want, right? Sometimes it's on purpose, sometimes it's on accident. So then you take that gift and you re-gift it to somebody else. So once at a Christmas time, I was given this actually really nice pizza stone. And I thought that was a really great gift. And then I thought, I am never, ever going to actually use this. So I kept it in the box, and about a week or so later, we had a Christmas party that we needed to go to, so I wrapped it up and I gave it to somebody else. It wasn't, a, it wasn't that it wasn't a great gift, it just wasn't a good gift for me. And then I think about another time, it was a while later, I had received this like retro ski-doo snowmobile suit. Right? Remember the, bring, the purple and the bright green, the neon colors? And it was under the tree and it came in this big box and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see what it is. And I opened it up and a little backstory is I had just been given two broken down snowmobiles just a few months beforehand. And so, you know, the gifts really went together. But that, that day I was thinking, this is kind of odd because I knew that this snowmobile suit, it wasn't like somebody went out and found it. It was, it was my father-in-law's and I had seen it hanging in his closet for years. So it seemed really odd to me 
because not that I didn't appreciate it, but like if he wanted to give it to me, he could have gave it to me the exact same way he did the snowmobiles. Like, hey, here you go, Brad. So it was kind of interesting. So as I was studying for this message, though, it occurred to me that we often give God white elephant gifts as well, right? We give God gifts that he doesn't really want. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. See, God isn't a person who's going to say, okay, you gave me this gift and I don't really want it, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to somebody else. He's not a re-gifter, but he has given a lot of things that he doesn't want. So this morning, as we go into Scripture, um, it's going to talk a little bit about the white elephant gifts that God doesn't want, but then it's going to go through and tell us really what God does want for us. So our Scripture today comes from the book of Amos, chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. And it starts by this, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Now, before I go further, I've, I've said before that sometimes the best messages are messages that I could preach to myself. But then there's these other messages as I'm preparing them, they make me go, whoa. And I think today is a message just like that where I'm hoping that maybe today you feel, you leave here today feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And so, you know, Amos tells us the things that God doesn't want and the one thing that God really wants for us. So let's go back and look at verse 21 again. It says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. So now, if you go on late online later on, maybe you're a person who likes to get different versions of a message. And today, Pastor Nano by the way, if you've never met Pastor Nano, I encourage you to. He is just full of energy and life. But if you go and hear his message today, you're going to realize that our take on the white elephant message is, is completely different. Because he's going to give the message to say that God gives us these gifts and oftentimes we don't want them and so we, we push them away. But my take on this today is a little bit different because I believe that messages aren't necessarily always meant to conform to this outline of ideas. Like as a pastoral group, we get together and decide this is the way it's going to go. And sometimes I don't believe that everything always has to be the same. Sometimes the message comes out differently because God wants it presented that way. So today I present you with three white elephant gifts that we give to God. Now, just like the time that I opened up this, that used snowmobile suit on a Christmas Eve, I want you to prepare yourself. Prepare to be surprised and possibly taken off guard a little bit. So here we go. Number one, our church services are a white elephant to God. See, Amos is telling the Jewish people that they were pretenders. They were pretending to worship God with all their pomp and their show. They were pretending to worship God with their festivals and their solemn assemblies. And what they were doing was actually hypocrisy. See, they'd show up for church and they'd put on this big show, right? They would dress in their finest clothes and have festivals that were supposed to be in honor of God. But they were supposed to be worshiping God, but instead they showed up for church and they were there 
for themselves. What, what can I get out of church? They were pretend followers of a God, and God basically says this to them. I don't want pretend followers. Your pretend worship is a white elephant to me, and I simply don't want it. I mean, how dare those Jewish people act like that, right? They should know better. I'm going to tell you, though, God doesn't want pretend Christians either. See, just like the Jewish people, we dress up and we come and we're a part of the festival of sometimes solemn assemblies, but we really aren't here. Like I've, I've been transparent before and I've mentioned to you before that sometimes during worship, I, I dive into worship and I'm fully there and a thought comes into my mind and pretty soon I'm thinking about my afternoon ahead. Okay, This morning I was, I was so into worship and then pretty soon Pastor Nancy and I have just been talking about some different things and suddenly those ideas popped into my head because I really all of a sudden made it about me and what I wanted. See, many people come to church simply because that's what we do on Sundays. As children, I bet you were that way, right? You get up in the morning, you're like, I'm not going to take off my pajamas today. I'm going to revolt. And then mom said, huh, you can go in your pajamas, but you're going to church, right? Okay. People just get up though sometimes and they get dressed and they go to church. But the worship of true God is the farthest thing from their mind. God is missing in their worship because they really weren't there to meet with Him to begin with. So I'm going to tell you another little story about a little girl. This little girl was getting ready for bed during the Christmas season one night, and as she sat down to do her evening prayers, she knelt down to say her prayers, and she was talking to God. And she said, you know, God, we sure had a lot of fun at church service today. Everybody was in their best clothes and all my friends were there and we had a great time together. And then she said, God, I wish you could have been there today. See, the question is, is why are we here? Why are you here this morning? Are we pretending to come and worship? Can we say at the end of the service today that we met with God here today? So we use a scripture a lot of times. In fact, I've used it a lot of times in my message that says, where two or more people join together, I am there. Okay? You know, that's, that's a great saying. It's a great piece of scripture, but sometimes I believe that we take it out of context. You know, we can say that if we're truly coming to our worship service seeking God, He's going to show up. But sometimes we get out of worship and say, that was a really good service. And what we mean is the program was good, right? They finally got the music right and it was all the same volume. The lights were good. They were okay. Everything went smoothly. And that's what we mean by a good service. Okay? Maybe you say, well, Pastor Brad didn't speak on and on. It was short and to the point. And I feel like maybe he was speaking to me today. But the question is, just because we leave happy from the service, when we leave, is God happy? Is God happy with our service that day? See, Israel, back in the book of Amos, Israel was busy observing their feast days and sacred assemblies and not knowing that God actually despised what they were doing. See, many celebration services today are planned to make the congregation happy rather than to please God. Okay, at the end of the service, we can all say that was a good service, but really, is it a good service in God's eyes? 
So what is supposed to be a gathering that will allow people to worship God is turned into a place where we network and we meet in order to be a part of a community. And I'm the first to say that, yes, the reason you come to church is because you need to be a part of community. You need to connect with other people. But is that the primary purpose? Is that what's most important? I've also heard people say, you know what, I just really didn't get anything out of that service. Ever been guilty of that? You go to church and you're like, I should have just stayed at home in my pajamas because I didn't get anything out of it today. Maybe you went as far as to say, the pastor really didn't deliver his best message today and I don't feel that he spoke to me. But my question is this, on that day, what did you put into the service? See, I guarantee that if your heart is filled with purpose of worshiping God during a worship service, He's going to meet you there. Last week, when we had our baptisms up here, I looked into the front row and all I could see is tears flowing down eyes because they were so committed that day to being a part of that service, that moment, and connecting with God. But there's realistically, there are days that we just don't put in our best effort. God says that He doesn't want worship services that are full of pretend Christians because that service is actually a white elephant to God. So next we see that God doesn't want impure offerings either. I guaranteed I was going to talk about giving in this message today, but our offerings at times are a white elephant to God. If we go back to verse 22 again and we look at it, it says, I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Israel presented many offerings to the Lord. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings. And see, God had instituted these things. God put these things into place, but it was an opportunity for Jewish people to acknowledge who God was and to give Him a portion, get this, of the best that they had. While they were physical activities, the spirit in which they were given was what was really important. Like, think about it, if you go back in time and the sacrifice of a a lamb on an altar, you didn't go find your weakest, most sickly lamb and say, today I'm going to get rid of this one because I need to go. No, you picked your best one that you could possibly pick and you gave that offering to God. Because offerings were a part of worship. And this is one of the ways that they were to worship. They were to give out of a heart of love and a gratefulness to their God. But the sacrifice had become something that they would just go through and the motions with. Just like on a Sunday morning, I pull out my cell phone and I scroll down and I find the right app and I hit the right buttons and I calculate the amount and I hit send. It sometimes just becomes something that we, motions that we go through. See, these people, they had started worshiping other gods and they sacrificed to them as well. It meant nothing to them anymore. Sometimes we sacrifice our lives to our false gods, right? The things that get our time, the things that we get our attention, and pretty soon that's where our offerings go to as well. Anybody obsessed with anything? Like you have to have a bunch of something or you really like something and before you know it, you've got a closet full of this something and that's where all of your offerings went. But God expects our offerings to be a part of worship, not something that we just go through the motions with. Our offerings actually have to mean something to us. I shared a story of a time when I thought, In parents, you ever feel this way? You you look at your kids and say, I think there's hope. Like, all this nonsense we've gone through, today is the day I think there is hope. Our son Brayden was was quite little and he was was the first grandchild, so he had one of absolutely everything. He had more plastic stuff than any kid should ever have. 
But one day he says to his mother, he says, Mom, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately, and I'm wondering if it'd be okay if I took some of my toys and I boxed them up and gave them to somebody who didn't have so much. That was the day that we knew that, okay, maybe he's starting to figure this out. Our offerings have to mean something to us. In the book of 1 Chronicles 21, we find the story of King David being commanded to build an altar to the Lord in a certain place in his negotiations with the guy that owns the land. And to make a long story short, the man wanted that David wanted to buy the land from, from said this. He said, I just want to, I'm going to give you this land because I know where it's going. I know you're going to build an altar and I want to give it to you. But David insisted that he was going to pay the man. Because he insisted that he was going to pay the land because if we look at verse 24, he says this, No, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. See, our offerings have to mean something to us, not just something we do when the plate is passed around or at the end of service when we remember before we go to lunch. We offer to God the minimum sometimes on those days. They need to mean something. In fact, I see churches today, and I've been guilty of it as well, that we take the, the act of offering just completely out of the service. Don't even talk about it because sometimes it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. But I think it's uncomfortable because we don't see it as an act of worship. It's, it's something that we're called to do, but something that we get to do as well. And it's not really an act of worship if it's not given with the right heart. See, the Jewish people were bringing sacrifices and offerings as a part of their worship, but it wasn't heartfelt. They were just going through the motions. It wasn't giving back to God in gratitude and obedience for who He was. It was just given because it had become a part of ritual and not worship. You know, I hear this subject preached and most talked about how God wanted their obedience and heart and not their sacrifice. But I say to you today, I think those people misunderstood it because God doesn't just want our obedience and heart. He wants them both. If the offerings and the sacrifices were not necessary and something that God had wanted, guess what? He would have never initiated it in the first place. He wanted and needed these things, but He wanted them given with the right heart and not just the pretense of worship. Giving back to God in a heartfelt obedience and love is what God expected, and He wasn't getting this from the Jewish people. God said simply, this is a, a white elephant to me. I don't, I don't want this. And I truly believe that. I truly believe that God would be happier if we didn't give than if we gave with an ungrateful heart. So the next thing God says is that the songs you sing are a white elephant to me. Our worship time sometimes is a white elephant to God. I told you I was going to go there. I told you that some of this might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable today. It made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But if we go to verse 23, it says this, Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I started to think about all the mega churches that I know some of you follow online and you go find worship music and you find the, the best and the greatest, the people that are bringing millions of people in, but also bringing in millions of dollars. And what do they all have? They've got all the lights. They've got all the instruments. They've got everything. And pretty soon, they're noisy hymns of praise. He goes on to say, I will not listen to the music of your harps. 
So I think we have, if we go back and we talk about and we think about this time, music was important in the worship of God. In fact, it was so important that even before the temple was built by King Solomon, David's son, King David, prepared a worship in that temple by assigning and training musicians to play during their worship service. Guys, this is going to be big. We need all the best. We need everyone on board. We need to be prepared. It needs to be absolutely perfect. And if we go to the book of 1 Chronicles 25, 1 and 7, we hear that David and the army commanders then appointed men from the families of Asaph, Heman, and Jedathan to proclaim God's message to the accompaniment of lyres, harps, and cymbals. See, they and their families were all trained in making music before the Lord, and each of them, 288 people in all, Every one of them was an accomplished musician. See, what had happened though is that it had become nothing but a profession by the time Amos was speaking for the Lord. They were just going through the motions. The music was much like the pomp and the splendor of the service and going through the motions of the sacrifices and the offerings. It wasn't coming from the heart. It was something that they had to do. And all they did really was gather on the Sabbath and sing a few songs that were familiar to them and they never really thought about what or to whom they were singing. They were just going through the motions. God said that it's just a bunch of noise to me. I'm not, it's not coming from your heart and I don't want it. If God would have had the terminology, He would have said that music is just a, a white elephant to me. But you know, in a different context, this is kind of the elephant in the room for many churches as well. See, it seems that many get caught up in what songs we're going to sing rather than singing whatever song that's chosen to the Lord. If you think about our second to the last song today, beautiful song, long song, but we go to the end and all there is is just music. And I bet in some of your minds you were probably counting to eight in each measure and you were expecting the next set of words to come and they never came. And then we continued on and you were probably thinking, I wonder if Pastor Brad even reviewed this music today because where are our words that we can sing? But it's at that time that we can sit in reflection with God and say, God, this is all for you. Don't worry about the words. Don't worry about the song. This time is all for you. Because God says that no matter what you sing, if it isn't to worship and honor me, if it isn't with the heart of love for the one you were singing to and about, then it's just a bunch of noise. It's a white elephant gift of song, and I don't want it. So we need to stop pretending to worship with songs and sing with the heart of worship. Now, while Amos highlighted three white elephants for us in our relationship with God, he told us, though, what God actually wants. He didn't just say, you all are doing it wrong. You can't seem to get it right. He said, no, let me help you out. This is what God really wants from you. So what kind of gift does God really want? Well, if we go back and we look at verse 24 again, it says, instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteousness living. Isn't that great language? It's very descriptive in its language, but I don't think we can understand it without a little bit of a geography lesson first. See, in the dry, arid land that's the Middle East, water was a precious commodity. These endless flowing rivers, they didn't happen very often. They were rather rare. Instead, they had these little streams and these little gullies. And in the original language, they were called wadis. And they only had river or water in them when it would rain. So they would fill up and pretty soon it would dry out and they would be completely dry again. See, God was telling them that He didn't want just part-time justice, part-time righteousness. 
He wanted their heart and life on a full-time basis. He didn't want that little trickling stream that was eventually going to run dry. He wanted a raging river of true worship and faithfulness. He didn't want part-time followers. So let's fast forward to today. God doesn't want part-time Christians either. Now, before you think that I'm completely judging everybody, I'm going to tell you again, the best messages are delivered to myself. And even as a pastor, sometimes I'm a part-time Christian. Whether it's in my day-to-day life and I forget to thank God for all the great things and instead concentrate on the negative. Or maybe it's I get in an argument with Pastor Nancy and just realize that what we're arguing about doesn't even matter because she is the greatest gift that was ever given. Okay, God wants us to not be part-time Christians. So those of us who come because it's what we do on Sunday, and I think sometimes we're all guilty of that. It's Sunday, we need to go to church. Those that come and we put on our show our best clothes and we sing as loud as we possibly can or whatever the case may be. But He wants us to remember something. He wants us to remember what our offerings are for. That what we give is an act of worship. Not something that we do just because we have to. He wants us to worship Him with songs of praise that are more than just custom. He wants our worship to be heartfelt and not just noise to Him. See, those, those things that we sometimes get caught up in, those are, those are white elephant gifts to God and He, and he doesn't want them. I'm going to tell you a little secret. What God really wants is you. He wants all of you. And He wants all of you all of the time. See, I believe that Jesus came to this earth so that He could die one day and he, we could be forgiven of our sins. And I believe that God looks down at us someday and He says with all the love in the world, you need to get your act together. Because we're all guilty of being part-time Christians. We're all guilty of only giving what we think we can give. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about of our time and our heart and the way that we interact with other people. But the good news, especially this Christmas season, is they don't, we don't have to give a white elephant gift. Because see, God has given us everything that we need already, and He's just asking us that we give it back to Him. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, in this Christmas season, help us to remember that Jesus is truly the greatest gift that could ever been given. Help us to remember in this time as we go out and we shop or we make gifts for people, Lord, that the gift of our time, the gift of our presence is what's most important, Lord. Help us when we come to church in this Christmas season, that help us to remember that this is a time to remember You to get closer to You, to build a relationship with You, to have conversations with You, Lord, to get closer to You. Lord, help us to free our minds from those thoughts that drive us away in worship, Lord. And help us to free from our lives that sin that that breaks that relationship and keeps us from having the full relationship with You, Lord. Lord, we ask Your blessing upon everybody in this room. We ask Your blessing upon their families, Lord. We ask that We have the strength to ask for prayer, Lord. We ask for the strength to get together with people. And not get together assuming that just because we get together that You will be there, Lord. But to get together to spend time in an act of worship. Lord, Your ways are good. Lord, help us to remember that. Lord, thank You for this opportunity. Thank You for these amazing people in this room. These beautiful and wonderful children of God. And all this we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
So as you're sitting and having conversations and getting your coats together, we did take pictures the other night. It was a fun time. There's going to be some pictures that will be scrolling as you're having conversations. We left the backdrop up if you want a cell phone amateur photographer with your family. Um, I know that we are taking the lights back, but we're hoping to bring them back. So if maybe you didn't get your picture taken, but you'd like to have your picture taken, just let us know and we'll, we'll arrange that time as well. So the plan is, number one, we'll give you, if, if you have your picture taken, you can have all the digital copies you want. We may even have to give you a letter. When I used to do senior pictures, I would have to give people a letter that said, yes, I have permission to print these. Um, because oftentimes they think that, oh, I mean, I'm not going to say they're so wonderful that they might say that, but, but also we are going to take some, I'm going to go through them and we're going to actually print out some copies for you as well. So that is our hope to be able to give that back. So if you're thinking, you know what, we never get a family picture, get a hold of me, let me know, let Pastor Nancy know, and we'd love to get a chance to connect with you. Anyway, thanks for coming today. Have a great day and God bless.